Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Hey, a couple of things I do want to mention in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you to put this in your calendar. Uh, hopefully you received maybe at the end of last year or maybe when you came in today uh, looking forward to some of the January events. But we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it always culminates with, with the last Sunday of our fast, which will be the 26th of January, with a night of worship. And it's going to be right back in here. We've already secured uh, the theater, and it's going to be powerful. So mark it in your calendars. Invite your friends. Invite your family. It's going to be a fun time. The other thing is this is there are some resources on fasting and praying. Maybe you've never fasted before. If you go to sozo.co slash 21 days, there's patterns for prayer. There's model prayers that you can pray along with. There's also patterns of fasting. There's different ways you can fast. And every one of you, I, I don't know what God may call you to do. Some of you, it may be like, you may be like my mom. You're full on like 40 days, just water. Listen, I will die if that happens, okay? That's like, God, I thought you were trying to get my attention. It feels like you're trying to take my life, okay? <clears throat> Whatever God speaks to you, do that. Uh, it may be something like no meats. Maybe you go no meats for 21 days, or maybe you do like the Daniel fast, or maybe you're like no, no sweets, no tweets, no meats, whatever. I don't know, however you want to do it. Like, <clears throat> but there's, there's some samples in there. So go and resource yourself, and then mark it on your calendars for the 26th. is going to be great. But look at this scripture right here. Psalms 63, verse 1. The psalmist, he says this. He says, you, God, are my God. I love that. It's personal. This is not hand-me-down religion from my parents or my grandmother. He says, you, God, you are my God. He, it's, it's, it's relational. It's, he's connected. His heart is connected to God. He said, you, God, you are my God. And earnestly, I seek you. Earnestly, I seek you. I, look at how he describes himself. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I love what he's saying here. The word earnestly, you know what it means? It means there's something, it's very serious. There's a seriousness about this. He's saying, I take seeking you serious. I'm purposeful. I'm intentional. This isn't just some thing that I casually do. He says, I earnestly seek you. I seek you and I pursue you. I do this because why? Because it's like my whole being, all of me, it's like I'm in this dry land and there's nothing that can satisfy me like you. You are the living water of my soul. And so I seek you with everything that's inside of me. Let me ask you this question. Because as I read that passage of scripture, I read it in a different light the last week or so. I read it not just as a description of the psalmist, but I read it as a metric for my own life. Saying, God, let me measure my own spirituality. Is this how my life, how I can describe my life, that God, you are my God? This isn't religion, but it's relationship. There's this intimate connection, my heart connected with yours, and earnestly I seek you. I take seeking you seriously. And I'm intentional with this. I pursue you with every fiber of my being. And, and God, it's like this world is a dry desert land that cannot satisfy my soul. You're the only thing that satisfies me. Does that describe your spirituality? Because it should describe our spirituality. This is the way that, that we really, I mean, and it's, there's seasons, if I'm honest. There's seasons that I feel like that. There's other seasons where I, where I feel distracted with other things. There's other seasons where I feel like I, I'm seeking, but I'm not seeking him first. I'm seeking, you know, you're seeking a promotion or we're seeking, you know, a new relationship or, or seeking just to be happy. And we can seek all these other things. And he says this, man, earnestly, I seek you, God. 
I pursue you because you are my God. So the question is, is seeking God, is that a priority of your life? This isn't to make you feel guilty, but I do want you to feel responsible. Is seeking God, pursuing him, is that a priority of your life? I mean, obviously, you're here today. You could be at home asleep. You could be doing so many other things. You could be out of town. You could be doing so many other things, but you're here. So obviously, there's some level of, of, of seeking that you, that you, that, that's a reality for your life. There's some level of pursuit that has become a priority because you're here. But to what degree is that? To what degree are you a seeker that you're like, God, I'm seeking you? Now, I don't mean in the sense of like maybe you don't know God and you're just seeking, is, seeking spirituality or seeking is God for real. And that's cool if you're here today. We welcome you. You belong before you believe or behave. Listen, that's what we say here. You already belong. We're glad that you're seeking God maybe to know if he's real. But, but the interesting thing about God is we don't seek God and find him and then move on. We seek him, we find him, and we go even deeper seeking him and pursuing him. It's this picture of like, you know, how many couples that get married and before they got married, um, they were, you know, like the, the boyfriend was like writing poems, poetry, just kind of singing, had some boys to men working it, you know, the whole thing. And, and then you get married and you seal the deal and now they're locked in and then you've lost that romantic side of you. Don't amen anything, ladies. OK, don't be amening right now. My wife's like, you better turn on some boys to men right now. But isn't it interesting? You can you can you can you can be a pursuer. And then you get in covenant relationship and then you've lost the passion to pursue. I think that's a picture of a lot of Christians. That there was a time when you were seeking, is God real? And what is this whole church, religion, spirituality? And we're, and we're like, we're wrestling and we're just trying to figure out. And then we get into relationship with God and then it can just, we can lose our pursuit. It's so easy to lose our pursuit. And we become seekers of other things and we lose our desire to seek after him. But here's what you need to know, is that it's important that we understand that, 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 that we should be seeking God, but we just need to know that God is a seeker. He's seeking us. God is seeking seekers. Think about this, Psalms 14. The Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek him. God is, right now, God is looking down, saying, is there anyone that wants to seek me? You know why? Because he want, his greatest desire is to reveal himself to people that seek after him. God is leaning over the proverbial ledge of heaven out the window, looking down, saying, I wonder if anybody in San Francisco is going to seek me. I wonder if anybody wants to pursue me because I have so much I want to pour out over their life. I have so much I want to reveal to them. I wonder, is there anyone that's going to seek me in 2020? This is what the, the picture that the Bible paints of, of our God. But I love this in Isaiah 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to sound negative or, 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 or anything like that. But the reality is, is that you and I, we all have expiration dates on us. You do. There's only a window of time that you have to seek him. There's only a window that I have to seek him. That shouldn't make us feel guilty. That shouldn't make us feel, you know, it's like God's mad at us. But it should bring some level of sobriety to us to understand the reality of this is that there is a window for you and I to cultivate this relationship with him on this side of heaven. I was laying in the bed the other night and I started thinking about my kids, 10, 7, and 7 months. And I don't know what got me thinking about this, but I started thinking about my oldest son, 10 years old. I started thinking, 
man, in like eight or nine years, he may not live with us anymore. And he's going to go off to college. He says he's going to go play football for LSU. You know, <clears throat> I'm praying he'll stay close and just go to like maybe, I don't know, somewhere around here. But <clears throat> and I started thinking about it and I didn't get sad, but I felt the weight of this is that I only have a window of time with my children to cultivate this type of season of relationship with them. And I don't want to miss, I don't want to waste the window. It's, if you could imagine a window just going like this, there are many people that just, they don't lean into that and they, they miss a moment with their children, with their parent, with whoever. My sister and I have been talking about this with, with our mom. Like she's not going to live forever. Although her mom lived till she was like 200 years old. I'm like, Danielle, I think mom's going to outlive us. It's in the genes, right? But the reality is I only have a window. I sat at breakfast with my mom the other morning and I thought, I have a window here. Do you know that the scriptures tell us that there's a window for us to seek God? For you here today, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know about God. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about this stuff. The reality is, is that you have a window. While he's near, while he's, while he's making himself available and beckoning you to him, seek him while he may be found, it says. What is it that keeps us from seeking God? Christians and non-Christians alike. I think it's our busy schedules. How many of you in here, you would agree that you have zero margin, right? We, we, we're, we're so busy. We have so many things. We have work. We have family. We have school. We have extracurricular things. We have, you know, traveling, going out. You know, we have all these things that can fill our schedules, and we have no margin for God. We can be preoccupied with lesser things, things that, that just, it's not that they're bad. They're just, they don't really matter as much as seeking God. I mean, think about Mary and Martha. Uh, Martha is in the kitchen. She's preparing the meal for Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there with Mary is at his feet, just seeking him. And Martha is so consumed and concerned with what was important. It was important. Cooking a meal and hosting the party was important. But Jesus says, you are concerned with things that really don't matter. And you're missing what she's got a hold of, which is, it's all about seeking me. It's about coming after my presence. And I think a lot of times we can just be distracted with other things. It's not that your job is bad or, or my job is bad or, 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 you know, all these sports. It's not that they're bad. They're just not the most important thing. Jesus said to Martha, Mary has discovered the only necessary thing. So what is he saying? Everything else, it's not that it's not important. It's just secondary. The primary focus, the only necessary thing is to seek me, Jesus says. It's to prioritize me in your life. So what is it that keeps you? from spending time with the Lord, from seeking him through the word and through worship, through every day incorporating this pursuit of the presence of God. What is it for you? Scriptures tell us in Psalms 10, it says, in his pride, the wicked man or woman does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. What does that mean? I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. Pride is simply this, is I'm good. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need God. And he says it's in our pride that we think that we don't need him, so we don't seek him. And that we're, we're okay, we're good. Like I have a job and I'm good. Here, have you ever noticed that whenever someone loses their job, gets a bad diagnosis, all hell breaks loose in their life, they become a seeker. Even non-seekers become seekers when they get the diagnosis. Why is that? We seek God when we're under attack, but we abandon him when we're in abundance. But he says this, it's pride, pride, it's, it's that the, the, the original sin, pride of thinking, I, I, don't, I don't need 
God, so I'm not going to seek God. I don't really have room for him in my life. And he says, it's sin. That's, that's what causes us to fail from seeking him in our lives. But here's why I'm so passionate about this. I, I don't want to beat you down and make you feel like whatever. Here's why I'm passionate. As the pastor of this church, my greatest desire is that you, every single year, you would grow closer to God because you're seeking him and pursuing him. Because I truly believe this, that God rewards those who seek him. He just does. This isn't like a, you got to flip some tricks to make God, you know, happy and to appease some deity. It is, it's not that. It's, the, it's literally, it's a picture of this. A father who has arms filled with blessings. And I'm not talking about like just possessions and stuff like that. Just, I mean, it could be peace. It could be joy. It could be strength. It could be rest. It could be, it could be, in, it could be a new job. It could be finances. But it's just this picture of a dad with all these gifts. And he's saying, I'm holding on to him because I want to see if you'll just come running over here to me. And then I want you to come to me. And as you come to me, I'm just going to start giving you these gifts. It's that picture. I do that to my kids all the time now. I'm like, you got to come over here and hang with me if you want to get some ice cream. You know, I do it all the time. I don't even care about ice cream. I just want to be with my kids. This is what God does. He says he re rewards those that seek him. Look, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith or the hall of fame. It's all these ordinary people that just decided they were going to seek God. Go lead, read the list of them. They're just ordinary people like you and I. We, we read Hebrews 11. We're like, oh my gosh, look at all these amazing, extraordinary things that they did. No, no, no. They were ordinary people that made a decision. I'm going to seek God. And at the end of it, it says this, Hebrews 11 says six, verse six, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. He just does. Psalms 119, blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. You know what the word blessed means? Happy. That's all it means. It means happy. It's an extraordinary joy. It's an inner joy. It's not based on happenings, but it's based on who God is. And it says this, that God will bless. He'll give you joy where there's been sadness or discontent or the lack of fulfillment, God will pour joy and gladness and happiness. How many of you could use a little bit of that in 2020? Like just, I just want, I just want to have that joy in my heart. You know what? If you will seek God with all your heart, you'll have a joy like you've never had before. You, you will experience the blessings of God. Why? Because he rewards those who seek him. Psalms 34 says this, even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry. But those who passionately pursue, what is that? It's seeking. Those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Never. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I want. Right? Right? When you seek him and you pursue him, there's a blessing. There's a reward that comes with it. So let me give you, I love to give people something they can write down. You can take this with you. Here's three ways that we're going to seek him. We're starting out this year. You're going to hear us. We have a podcast that will have little devotionals every day. And we're going to talk about these three things a little bit more. And we'll pray together and all those things. But here's the three ways that scriptures call us to seek God. And I'm, I'll tell you what the three are so you can write them down. And then I'll unpack them for a moment. We, we, God, the word calls us to seek God's face, to seek God's heart, and to seek God's hand. That's to seek God's face, to seek God's heart. And to seek God's hand. Let me show it to you in scripture. Second Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my, say it with me, face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. To the Hebrew people, if you look in, in the Hebrew language, face and presence are interchangeable. 
So when scripture calls us to seek God's face, here's what it's saying, seek his presence. Because we know that scriptures tell us in the Old Testament that you could not behold, you could not look into the face of God or you would die. That's why God shows Moses the back of himself. He doesn't show his face. And so when scripture says to seek God's face, here's what it means. Seek the presence of God. His face is about his presence. Watch this. His heart, I'll unpack for you, is about his passions and his hand is about his provisions. But the first one to seek his presence, to seek his face, it, it's, it's this. It's, I'm not just seeking you to do something for me, God. I'm seeking you for you. I want to have a face-to-face -face encounter with you. It's relational. It's, it's I want to see your beauty for who you are, not just for what you do for me, but your attributes, your character, your loving, your merciful, your gracious. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to experience your presence. That's why as a church, men, we pursue God in worship. Aren't you thankful for a church that we don't just sing a couple kumbaya songs, but like we go in to the presence of God. Passion is our response. We lift up holy hands to the Father, right? We sing out loud. We kneel before the Lord. Why? Because we're passionate about the presence of God. We seek his face. His presence is the game changer. Listen, good preaching cannot change you. Good music cannot change you. Just a prayer cannot change you. But the presence of Jesus can change and transform our lives. I am preaching Better than you guys are amening me today, but it's all right. <laughs> There's a difference. Look, some of you are like, but wait, 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 you're seeking his presence. I thought God's presence, he's everywhere. God is everywhere. He's in the trees. Okay, like, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference between the, the omnipresence, which is God's presence is all around us, everywhere, always. The omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. And when I say seeking his face, is this, is that you're seeking to experience a manifestation of God's presence where you literally, have you ever been in one of those moments where you sense and you feel something's different about this moment? There's something sacred about this moment. And you begin to sense, I don't know if you've ever been singing a song before and you get to this little like, ooh, I'm, this is not like Celine, Celine Dion hit a high note, like goosebumps. This is like, this is not like D'Angelo is going, this is not that, okay? This is, oh my gosh, you sense the presence of God. This is his face. This is, this is beholding his beauty and you sense him and you, you feel him. God, I want that for every one of you. If you've never had that experience, I want that for you. I want you to encounter his presence because his presence makes all of the difference. I love what Psalms 27 says. My heart says of you. So, so the psalmist is saying there's something, there's an inner voice that is saying something. My heart says of you, God, seek his face. And look at his response. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Have you ever had one of those moments where something in you just felt like something was, was telling you, you need, to, you need to seek God. You need to begin to pray. You need to begin to, maybe you need to take a season of fasting. Have you ever had that? This is, this is the gracious invitation of heaven saying, seek his face, seek his presence. Just respond to that. Some of you right now, you're having that moment where you're sensing, I need, I've never done this before. I need to seek God. I've never fasted before. I need to seek him. God, I want to seek your face. There's something about it that is unbelievable when you get a hold of this. I love it. Uh, David goes on, he says in Psalm 27, this is so good. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Look, look at the, the passion translation. Here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else I want the privilege of living with him in every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, 
delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. I love this. This is a picture of when you're seeking his face, it's you begin, you begin to see his, the beauty of who God is, the beauty of this divine romance, and everything else, it just fades. I remember in 2005, May 21st, 2005, I was wearing a little tuxedo, standing at the, in a little rose garden with a pastor right here, my best man, and the doors of this little plantation type little thing had opened up, and I remember seeing Jennifer seeing my bride. And I'm telling you, though there were a couple hundred people at our wedding and I was, I was making eye contact with them before and I was seeing their face and we're smiling. They're like, you look great. You know, you're looking good. When I saw her face, every other face faded. When I saw her face, every face faded. That some of you, you're facing things in your life that it's consuming you. But if you could see his face, those things, would, they would start to fade. Let me ask you this question. David said, this one thing, this one thing I ask, oh, that if I could just seek you, your presence, your face, and just be in your house and experience your presence, my life would be fulfilled. Let me ask you this question, church. If you had one request you could ask God, what would it be? David said, my one request would be his presence. I want to seek his presence in 2020, Amen. Notice the connection that David makes to the presence of God and the house of God. You can experience God's presence everywhere. I have some of the most powerful moments in my little fake Eames chair in my office. Light up a candle, just me and the Lord. We just start working things out. And I'll sometimes, sometimes I sense nothing. He's there even when I don't feel him. But there's sometimes when I'm seeking his face, I begin to experience his presence and sometimes a tear would just stream down my face. My kids would come interrupt and I'm like trying to shut the door. I'm like, I'm busy. You know, we doing work in here, you know. But those moments are so powerful. I want to encourage you. You can have that everywhere, but David makes a connection with being in the house of God. I'm going to challenge you this. If this is your church, I know things come up. I know life gets busy. Make his house a priority. Seek his face. Let's seek his face together. I want to worship with you. I want to pray with you. We want to do this together. There's something collectively God is calling us to. Let's make, it, let make, let's make the house of God a priority this year. Amen, church? Amen. Second one is God's heart. God's heart. If God's face is about his presence, God's heart, it's about his, his passions. Remember King David? Watch this. King David, if, if someone were to ask you, describe King David, some of you would say, well, he was a shepherd. Uh, he was a warrior. He was a leader. He eventually was a king. He was a worshiper. Some may even say he was an adulterer. Bathsheba, remember that one? He was a murderer. Bathsheba's husband. Interesting the way that God, God remembers him. Acts chapter 13, after removing him, King Saul, God raised up David to be king, for God said of him, I have found in David, son of Jesse, a man who always pursues my heart. And I will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. You want to accomplish everything God's called you to do? Pursue his heart. Seek his heart. I, I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrased it. He said it like this, Acts 13. God says, I've searched the land and I found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heartbeat. A man who will do whatever I tell him to do. Listen to me. Connection with God synchronizes our heartbeat with his. 
I love what uh, this uh, UC Davis, this psychology professor, he conducted a series of studies on couples in romantic relationships. And in the study, look at this, he found that couples that would hold hands and they were connected to heart monitors and breathing monitors, look at this, it says that their heart rate would be, in, would, would eventually would sink up and their breathing, their respiration, they would begin to breathe at the same, same rhythm in the intervals. It's interesting the way that God's wired us where there's connection there's, we become synchronized. I believe that the more connected we are with the heart of God, listen, our heart starts beating for the things that his heart beats for. We become burdened for the things that burdens his heart. Where you once didn't care about the poor or the marginalized or the lost or the widow or the orphan, you seek his face and then you start to get his heart. All of a sudden that will begin to move you. All of a sudden, it's not about your desires, preferences, and passions anymore. All of a sudden, you become obsessed with what God is obsessed with. People read the scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. They read it wrong. Listen, you don't delight yourself in the Lord, and then everything you desire, he's going to give it to you. It's not that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you his desires. They will become your desires. Your heartbeat will become synchronized with the heartbeat of the Father. The reality is is that as humans, what, what makes our heart beat, what makes us passionate, sometimes it's just not things that are really helpful. Sometimes we can become passionate about things that actually are destructive. I think one of the best things you can do in these 21 days of prayer and fasting is say, God, what are the passions that I currently have in my life that are not pleasing to you? God, show me those passions because I don't want them to be my passions. The scriptures call them the passions of your flesh. God, I pray in this season as I seek your heart, I, I want you to do this, God. God, change my passions. I don't want to be passionate about the things that don't really matter. God, make me passionate about what you're passionate about. Make me passionate about people, passionate about the loss, passionate about your word. God, make me passionate about the things that make your heart beat. God, let me be synchronized with you as I seek your heart. That's my prayer for you. And the final one is this, is God's hand. If God's face is about his presence, God's heart is about the passions. Listen to me, God's hand, it's about provision. Matthew 7, God wants you to do this. He wants you to seek, you, seek him for provision. Ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be open for you. For every persistent one will get what he, he or she asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he or she longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Look what he says. Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, would a parent offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? Listen, this 21 days, there's some of you, you have needs in your life and we wanna pray with you and believe for miracles in your life. Listen, God wants to provide for you. He wants to provide all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, scripture says. But here's what I think. Here's what, here's what I think. I, I put this one as the, the last one because it's the lowest hanging fruit. Seeking God for provision, I think all of us, we naturally get that. Even non-Christians do that. When we get in a time of need, we ask him. I think one of the challenges with most Christians is this, is that we spend the majority of our time seeking God's hand and we never spend any time seeking his heart or his face. I want to be a church that, yes, we seek his hand. There's a place for that. But I want to be more consumed with his face and his heart than with his hand. 
Because when we, when we prioritize him like that, God, it's about your presence. More than my needs, more than anything I'm asking for you, God, I just want you. I want your presence. I want your heart. I want to be transformed by you. You know what God will do? He will extend his hand towards us like this. This is what God does. Spiritually mature, spiritually mature people seek God earnestly under attacks or under abundance. It doesn't matter. The conditions do not determine our pursuit of him. Our devotion to him and our covenant relationship with him, that's what determines it. So here's the word for us. It's not just seek, but this, this first Sunday of the year, here's what I'm telling you to do. Matthew 6, verse 33. In the context of needs, Jesus tells these guys, don't worry about what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay your bills. Don't, don't worry. You're getting anxious and worried about a lot of things. Don't worry about that. Don't seek all that. I'm going to tell you what to seek. He says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, they're going to be provided for you. I'm going to take care of all those things, Jesus says, if you'll seek me as your king. My kingdom is when I rule and reign, Jesus says. If you'll seek that in your life, you'll come under my lordship and my kingship. You'll say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way be done, Jesus. When you get prioritized like that, where Jesus is first, where the kingdom is first, and you seek him first, he's like, I'm going to take care of your life because God is always fully responsible for the life that is fully devoted to him. Can somebody say amen? Last one is this is uh, 2 Chronicles 15, final scripture of the day. They, a community, they entered into a covenant. Covenant is more than just a handshake. Covenant is to death do us part. Come hell or high water. If I lose my job or if I keep my job, if I get promoted or I don't, rich and poor, sickness and health, that's covenant, right? It says they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors with all of their heart and soul. I read that scripture and this is what I felt like God wanted me to do today is to ask you as if you're a member of this spiritual family, let's be in covenant together in 21 days. Let's make a covenant to seek God first with all of our heart. That may be waking up 10 minutes earlier in the morning, spend just a little time in his presence, worshiping him. It may be lighting a candle and man praying, maybe reading some scriptures. It may be praying one of the model prayers that we have on our website. It could be linking into the podcast, listen to a podcast. There's so many different ways. I'm just encouraging. Let's make a covenant with each other. This year is going to be our best year because it's going to be our best year spiritually. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.